Before we get into the episode and I start out with the <laughs> classic, hi guys, <laughs> or welcome teacher, tired fam, I wanted to ask a favor. This is free. Making these podcasts are entirely free. I do not make a profit off of these. I entirely do it for fun, but I like to get the word out. And if you could just do me one favor, screenshot the episode, tag me on Instagram, post this on your story, do whatever you have to do to spread the word. Help me out, please. It takes two seconds um, just to get the word out, just to help other teachers out. You're not only helping me, you're helping all the other teachers out there that need to hear these fun messages. So thank you so much. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are, whatever time it is, welcome to Teacher Tired. Hi guys, I asked you guys on Instagram to do a little Q&A, ask me some questions, anything and everything, my personal life, teaching, um, anything, and I would go on here and just kind of ramble on and answer some questions. So... My first question, I got a lot of them and I'm not going to go through all of them because a lot of them repeated each other, but the first question I got was, I'm an undergrad in education right now. What inspired you to teach? Honestly, children. That sounds super, duh, (laughs) super obvious, but kids, like I really, really, really missed kids. I missed children. I missed being around them. I missed working with them. And I kind of envied my friends that were teachers. I envied my friends that were speech pathologists or, you know, you know, reading specialists, anything in the educational system. I was really just envious of them and then figured out that that's what I was missing. Somebody said, asking because I've thrown the idea around, but nervous about launching my own. Let's see. Launching my own. I don't know what. Just kidding. Don't know the question. How has it been moving and teaching in Arizona? How is the cost of living in the, with the teacher salary? Well, <laughs> let's just say Arizona is pretty rough. It's not bad. I love teaching in Arizona because we have a lot of powerful young teachers out here. Um, And we're all in the same boat. So if you have a frustration of like, you know, we don't make enough money, we're one of the lowest paying states in the U.S., yada, yada, yada. Everyone's in the same boat and everyone kind of understands. So I really like teaching here. I think the culture out here is really awesome. Um, I work in a low-income school and it's it's just – I love it. So – and there's always outdoor recess. (laughs) How do you teach your students – to really see the value in saying daily affirmations. Okay, so this person is referring to my daily affirmations I do in the classroom every day. We say things like, I am smart, I am kind, I am helpful, I care about others, I love myself, and I love you. We say those affirmations every single morning. Um, And how I teach my students to really see the value in them is kind of having a conversation around them every single day. So, We say the affirmations and then I kind of tell the kiddos, I say, remember, sometimes our brain plays tricks on us and tells us that we're really sad or we're really mad or we are really angry and those are all very true and we can be those things, but these are some ways that we can tell our brain that it's going to be okay. 
that we are smart, we're kind, and we care about others. And we love ourselves and we love others and others love us. And sometimes when we're feeling down, we can remind ourselves of these affirmations. And so I really am just teaching the kids the importance of it by having that conversation because to them it's very awkward, right? Some of my kids have never even said I love you before and now I'm having them say it every single day. And in the beginning, it's really awkward. They're like, oh, <laughs> I love you. Like, oh, they like – they, they realize that it's an uncomfortable thing. And then after day 50, 60, 70, after we do it so many times, they just get super used to it and then it becomes comfortable. And that is the whole point of those affirmations is that they start to become comfortable with it so much so that they start to believe in it and truly see the value in it. So it's a really cool conversation. Um, I don't necessarily bring it up again in the day. It's just a morning conversation that we have first thing. Let's see. Another question was dealing with students' parents. <laughs> that's a funny question. Um, they didn't ask me how I deal with parents, but I'm assuming that's what they meant. Oh, let's see. Parents. So I am very strong with communication with my parents. I am constantly communicating with them through take-home folders, through weekly newsletters, through weekly emails, through monthly newsletters. Um, actually, you know what? I did not do weekly newsletters this year. I realized that my parents weren't like really, really reading them, so I took them out. I just do a monthly newsletter, um, and that just gives them updates about dates and stuff like that, upcoming events and the schedule and the calendar and so on and so forth. It's nothing big. And then I also talk about the things that their students going to be learning and going into and stuff like that. So th the biggest thing is communication, keeping that strong communication. Now. The second half of that is I do use Google Voice to give my parents my phone number. Um, so they do have full access to text me to respond um, and for me to text them and so on and so forth. Now, this was very helpful going virtual this year because parents just had to get used to it. Um, in the past, I've had parents who don't read their email or they don't look at text message and they kind of miss a message, so on and so forth. But this year really helped my case. <laughs> they had to have been looking at their email. They had to have been looking at their phone. Um, and I think that's the new norm. Hopefully that's a new norm because that's how I communicate. But it's been super helpful. Now I will say at the beginning of the year when we do meet the teacher, I am very, very clear with my parents that if they text me after 4 p.m., I will not respond until the next day at 7.30 in the morning. I am very, very clear with that. Now, if it's a text message that seems urgent or a parent needs a respond, response right away, I'll see the message on my phone really quickly, but it just kind of depends on the text if I respond or not. But I think that's honestly only happened maybe two times. <laughs> I do not respond on the weekends. I do not respond until a work time. So, I think that's super helpful so long as that you communicate that to parents because they could feel very lost or frustrated or feel like you're not communicating with them if you're not going to tell them that's the expectation. Now, let's say you have a parent, maybe this, I'm not sure what this person was asking me, but if this person's asking me how to deal with negativity with parents, that's a whole different conversation. If you have a parent who, geez, just like I don't want to say a negative parent, but if you have a parent that you're really struggling with, you don't see eye to eye, you don't feel like you're on the same team, that's not good. Um, 
mainly because it's a team effort. Like you and the parent are on a team, the same side, and your goal is for your their child's success. Okay? Now, if you feel like a parent is not on the same team as you, there's two ways. One, I would work really hard to make sure that they are on the same team as you. Do whatever it is you need to do. If you need to people please them, so be it, as long as it's not ridiculous. And then the other part of that is good riddance, right? Like we need to realize that we only have these kids for 180 days. You can only do so much without parent approval. You can try your hardest to get students help, to get them everything that they need. But if the parent is just denying everything, then it's not going to go anywhere. And at the end of the day, parents have the say. They have the right and they're 100% in control. And believe it or not, and you know, if you want to believe it or not, I don't know. But the end of the day, it's their child. It's up to them. And so there's only so much we can do. And sometimes you have to take a loss. Sometimes you have to look at it and go, you know what? Parents denying everything that I've asked or said or, you know, suggested. So at this point, I'm going to take it as a loss and, you know, the ball's in your court. So you definitely have to think about each situation, but I've been in both. (laughs) Definitely been in both. Okay, another question. Somebody said, I'm a teacher moving across the country alone. Please send advice. Well, been there. Um, It's, there's, have you explained this? (laughs) It's really fun. I think moving across the country is such an experience just in general, aside from teaching. It is so fun. You meet so many new people. You go on new experiences. Things are starting to open back up COVID-wise. So I'm going to speak to this as if, you know, nothing's shut down, but I would say try your best to make friends. Do whatever it is you have to do. Download Bubble Bumble BFF. Go on there. Make some girlfriends. Do whatever it is you have to do. Go on Meet. Is it Meet Up? Is that the name of the app? I think it's Meet Up or something like that where you meet up with groups of people and you go on, you know, you can go on dinner dates or hikes or stuff like that. Do whatever it is you have to do to make friends because even if you don't enjoy those people or you don't have a good time, at least you went and got, you know, a meal out of it or some some sort of new experience. Now, teaching across the country can be pretty different, especially, especially like in my scenario. I grew up in the Midwest and then I moved to the West. So the, the educational systems were very different from where I grew up to where I teach right now. So that was a whole learning experience for me as well. But it all goes down – it all comes down to like – the expectations of your admin, understanding where they come from, what is their expectation for you. Um, Essentially, that's it. So you're going to have a blast. Don't worry about it too much. And hopefully you have some young friends in teaching that you can meet because that's what happened to me. Oh, somebody asked, favorite teaching memory? (laughs) Oh no. Okay. I have a re- <laughs> Okay, my favorite teaching memory of all time. Ever. Ever, 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 so far. No, no, no. Wait. Oh my gosh, I have so many. Oh, I have so many. Okay, this one just for some reason comes to the top of my mind. So this is what I'm gonna tell you. We were so there's two kindergarten teachers. It's just me and a teammate. That's it. Um, my teammate and I were eating lunch. And while we're eating lunch, the kids are at recess. We come back from lunch and I was running late. So I, I just said, hey, can you help me with my kids? I'm going to run to the restroom. I go to the restroom. I come out and I go to the playground. 
And my teammate just looks at me with this like sickening face. She's blue in the face. Like her jaw is dropped and I'm like, what's going on? And she goes, look underneath my legs. And I noticed that she was straddling. Like her legs were like out, like far apart. And her hands were out and she was like, telling all the kids to get in line and the ladies on the do du- on recess duty were helping getting the kids in line and I so I looked down in between her legs and I'm thinking something's on her legs maybe she spilled something did she pee her pants like what's happening I look on the ground and there's feces on the ground like actual human feces on the ground <laughs> Then she proceeds to tell me that one of the kids had left the bathroom, rubbed their bottom along the fence to wipe off their feces, and it landed on the ground. As in, this student did not make it to the restroom, but they did manage to make it to the concrete. I'm I just like what is happening? I still think that's my favorite teaching memory. It made my day. It was so funny. Um yes, believe it or not, in kindergarten you have to deal with feces. Not often, but you do, and it doesn't seem to surprise me. Like there is just things that come up and you're like, "What is this? Like another surprise?" It's just uh it just it's just hilarious. So funny. Somebody said skincare routine. Your face looks so healthy. That is so ironic because I have been breaking out like a mad woman lately. I don't have a skincare routine. And in fact, the less makeup I wear, the less face washing I do, the better my skin is. Like I swear that my skin is just sensitive. Um, And so if I go without makeup, go without washing it, it just snaps back to normal. How do you deal with learners who have failed, especially dealing with the parents? Kindergarten's its own ballgame when it comes to learners who have failed. We do have the ability to um, suggest retention and having the student repeat kindergarten. Um, and to be honest, I'm just open and honest with parents. I, I tell them, I say, hey, look, this is where your child should be and this is where they're at now. I'm very worried about moving them on to the next grade. Um, if that's something that you would like to consider, retention is a really good option. I do think that it would help, um, but we can take a look at if it's still an option in a few months, so on and so forth. So with the parents, it's pretty easy. I just communicate my opinion. I say that's my suggestion. And then at the end of the day, the parents have the say. So it's really not my choice, but that's just my professional opinion. And I will tell them too. I'll say, you know what? Sometimes it's just maturity. Sometimes they just need another year to mature. But other times it's genuine, like genuinely academics and they really need to have another year. Now, how do I deal with it in the classroom is a whole different ballgame. It is very, very hard in my opinion. I think this is one of the biggest challenges I have as a teacher. Setting time aside to work with my low struggling learners is really hard, especially when you don't have a lot of them, maybe one, two, or three students and everyone else is soaring. Um, Taking the time to really sit down and help them can be very hard in kindergarten. Um, I have 22 students and if I have three that are struggling, I just have to pray that the other 
you know, 19, 20 of them, how many of her are not with me are managing their time wisely. And in kindergarten, that's not always the case. So it's very, very hard. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I do work with parents on, hey, this is what we're doing on it at in school. Here's some things, here's some tools that you can be working on at home to support me. Um, and I'll even have parents come in and have like a little meeting with me and I'll go through ways to provide homework. So for example, I will, this is crazy. I can't believe I do this, but I'll have a meeting with a parent and they'll come into the school and I'll, well, aside from COVID (laughs) and I will literally show them here's what they need support on. Here's how you can teach it to them at home. All he needs is 10 extra minutes a day. Like that's it. Set a timer for 10 minutes and do this 10 minutes a day. He'll be fine. Or, you know, or at least he'll make some improvement. So that's a big thing a lot of teachers don't do because they just send homework home. And while that works for most parents, it doesn't always work. And some parents don't always know how to support their students. So bringing them in and kind of showing them and guiding them really helps, especially in my grade that I teach. It helps a lot. Oh, another question. Somebody said, how do you stay positive in the hardest of days? First year teacher struggling. First of all, I want to say your first year is never going to happen again. (laughs) So there's that. First year teaching is rough, man. You are learning so many new things. Um, Hang in there. Keep your head up because this, the first two to three years is just really hard. It, It gets better. It really does. But how to stay positive in my hardest of days I, every year seems to change for me this year. Something that I really do is like, how do I say this? Something I do is just remind myself of my worst scenarios. And then I tell myself, at least it's not that scenario. That sounds kind of crazy, but I used to work at a charter school and it was one of the worst scenarios of teaching ever. And I actually have like a written note on my phone of a specific day that was mortifying, horrible, and one of the reasons I quit that job. And if I'm having a rough day at my job now, I will literally go back to that day, reminisce on that day and say, you know what? It's not even close to being that bad. (laughs) Um, And sometimes I just play some music. Like sometimes I'm like, you know what? My, I'm having, a, and I'll tell my kids that too. I'm like, Miss Trewartha is having a really hard day. I don't feel so good. Would you guys mind having a dance party with me for a couple of minutes? And they're like, yeah. And so we go over some rules really quick. And then I put on some T-Swift, shake it off, and we have a little dance party. And it makes me feel better. Um, sometimes we go out for five extra minutes of recess so I can breathe. <laughs> sometimes I... Let me get color so I can breathe for five minutes. Like that, you really have to figure out ways to manage yourself because once you start to struggle, the student starts to struggle. If I'm having a grumpy week where I just feel super grumpy, my kids are just like little zoo animals and they're grumpy too. You totally have in the environment of the room and you as a teacher are the one who is controlling that environment. So you have to be very, very cautious of that. Take your time, slow down, and kind of get control of your environment first. Okay, let's see. Let's do a couple more. 
Let's see. First teaching interview next week. Have any tips? Oh, I have a whole podcast on interviews. Go back and listen. It's really, really good. I talk about what to expect and what questions you should probably ask too. It's really, really good. Advice on what to expect when changing from first grade to kinder. (laughs) Oh, the biggest piece of advice I have for kindergarten ever, anyone, whether you're new, whether you're coming down from a grade, anything is talk about the rules every single time you do something. If you're getting scissors out, every single time you get scissors out, tell them not to cut hair. (laughs) If you are getting the glue sticks out every single time, tell them the glue sticks don't go on the table, they go on the paper. If you are getting your students in line for lunch, tell them how they should get in line for lunch every single day. That is my biggest piece of advice. It's something that I have to work on myself. Remind your students the rules every single time they do something because that is just developmentally appropriate in kindergarten. Is it a pain? Yes. Does it suck? Yes. Do you feel like your kids should know the expectation by now? Yes. Is it developmentally appropriate just to expect them to do it? Absolutely not. You have to tell them the rules every single time. It's exhausting, but you get used to it. And once you start repeating it, it just becomes part of your flow. So that is the biggest piece of advice I have, as well as taking deep breaths. Kindergarten can be a lot fast, more fast paced than first grade um, or any other grade for that matter. It's also no independence at all. They're going to ask you to open things. They're going to ask you to tie your shoes. They're going to ask you where to put their backpack every single day. And the way I do it is hands off. I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. Where'd you put your backpack yesterday? Or if they say, hey, can you open this? I say, well, have you tried? They'll say no. I'm like, okay, show me. Show me how you think I should open it. And I just guide them into the independence. I guide them into opening it. I teach them how to do it. And then from there on out, I just, they know how to do it. It's really cool. So it is a really cool experience. It's cool to see them grow. It's cool to see them gain that experience. I'm sorry, gain that independence. But at the same time, it's very exhausting. And if you're not used to it, it can be pretty draining. So heads up, it's coming, but take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. All right, that's it for my Q&A. That was a couple of questions asked. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you have a fantastic week. I love you. And I'll see you next time.